0: Welcome to today's edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. In addition to feature reports, I'll bring you a look at regional and national agricultural news. And the show starts with a look at California agricultural news.
1: Early registration for the 2024 Crop Consultant Conference hosted by Progressive Crop Consultant Magazine and Western Region Certified Crop Advisors is now open. The popular event for Certified Crop Advisors, Pest Control Advisors, Grower Applicators, and Industry Professionals is the mainstay for all continuing education needs this year and will take place on September 25th and 26th at the Visalia Convention Center. Visit myaglife.com slash events for the early discounted rate of $275 per person, which includes the live conference, a trade show with 70-plus exhibits, first-class dining, entertainment, and a mixer. We'll see you there.
0: Northwest Cherry Growers President B.J. Thurlby says it was a frustrating year when it came to the California cherry industry.
2: You know, when we started to pick around the 15th of June, California had, you know, three or four million boxes on the floor still and was still picking, got behind because their fruit was, it was okay, but it, they were shipping old fruit, you know, and they got behind and once it got to the market, it was sitting on the shelves between 10 99 a pound to 5 99 a pound and it just didn't move.
0: And that, throwby says, puts some buyers
2: off. You know, there's some portions of the United States right now that, really believe they're in a recession, whether they are or not is another story. But the reality is, is some people think that and people have been kind of in a frugal mode. You know, cherries are an impulse item. And part of the thing that pulls them through the system is they're seasonal, exciting, something different. But if you, you're a consumer and you can get grapes for a buck ninety nine, you know, cherries have to be at least semi close to that.
0: And Thoroughby says the prices just did not add up.
2: Our particular target price for ads would probably be in that 359 to 399 range because at that price, a consumer continues to get a good deal and the growers can actually make a little bit of money on the back end. You know, at the same time, there needs to be some hot ads out there during the season too, whether they're, you know, 299 or whatever. We need to see that. And we didn't really see that pricing last year until the third week of July.
0: There will be wonders had growers known.
2: Oh, and this is way before California ever came out and said, holy smokes, We've missed our window for Dormax. We've missed our opportunity to hit the Memorial Day weekend. And we got problems here. Of course, we didn't hear about that until the forest was burning down and on fire around us as we started to pick. We usually our first cherries have a bit of a premium on them. And this year there was not at all. So, you know, all the growers kind of got, you know, short in terms of what the value of the fruit was because it was great fruit.
0: Thurlby says talks between California and Northwest cherry growers are ongoing to avoid similar issues down the road. Residents and business owners in Redlands will soon be forced to forfeit any fruit growing on their property to prevent an infestation of harmful fruit flies from spreading to the rest of the state. Those within the quarantine area are asked to not remove fruit from trees themselves and they may not move produce from their property, according to the California Department of Food and Agriculture. Fallen fruit at the 2,000 residences in the impacted area should be double bagged and disposed of in the trash, according to the agency. Officials will conduct the fruit removal through this month, seeking to avert damage to the state's agricultural economy that the department says could cost billions if the oriental fruit fly were left unchecked. The oriental fruit fly which is slightly larger than a house fly at around 8 millimeters long is generally bright yellow. It has clear wings and a dark T-shaped marking on its abdomen, according to the agency. The state tries to prevent the flies from entering on fruit brought in from places such as Southeast Asia and the Pacific Islands, as well as Hawaii. Fruit from infested countries must be fumigated before it enters the state, but frequently untreated fruit is carried in by the mail and by passengers. The quarantine order is only the latest scare involving invasive fruit flies. There are at least four quarantine orders across the state related to the Oriental fruit fly, according to the department. They cover a sprawling area in San Bernardo and Riverside counties, some of Rancho Cordova and Sacramento County, the Brentwood area in Contra Costa County, and part of Santa Clara. One in five Californians currently struggle with food insecurity, with milk being one of the most requested but least donated items at food banks. In the fall of 2023, the California Milk Advisory Board worked with student dairy advocates from the California State University, Chico State, California State University, Fresno State, California Polytechnic State University, San Luis Obispo Cal Poly, and Modesto Junior College to hold the inaugural Real California Milk Intercollegiate Give a Gallon Challenge in support of hashtag Giving Gallons Milk Drives. in local communities. Using 100-gallon donation commitments from the CMAB as an incentive, students in each area shared information about the need for milk and options for donating through their social media channels. Each team coordinated donations through local and campus milk drives in person and virtually. As part of the Real California Milk CA Dairy for Good program, this initiative is part of an ongoing commitment to increasing access to nutrition foods. A total of 3,000 gallons were raised through this initiative. The donations will be distributed to the Selva Army, the Boys and Girls Club, second Harvest of Greater Valley Food Bank, the Cal Poly Student Pantry, and the Chico State Hungry Wildcat Pantry. The International Fresh Produce Association has announced support for the Supporting Farm Operations Act, an immediate and meaningful measure to address wage relief according to the organization. The legislation freezes the adverse effect wage rate, which is the wage rate that must be paid to H-2A visa holders and their domestic counterparts. IFPA is urging members to contact their members of Congress to co-sponsor this bill. While the Supporting Farm Operations Act does not address the full scope of IFPA's demand for reform on labor, it does provide immediate and meaningful relief that Congress can pass today, according to IFPA. In recent years, the H-2A labor program has increasingly filled labor needs for producers in a specialty crop industry, when Americans are unwilling to fill available jobs. All H-2A workers are paid in accordance with the adverse effect wage rate, and over the last decade alone, the average rate has grown at twice the rate of inflation. Because wages are typically the highest input cost for fruit and vegetable growers, and that with the rising rates as well as the lack of labor, fruit and vegetable production has declined nationally, according to IFPA. Los Angeles-based Progressive Produce is highlighting its commitment to health and wellness through its Nature's Bounty Organic Program. The company, which features a lineup of organic potatoes, onions, yams, citrus, and asparagus, began its Nature's Bounty Organic Program in 2007 after recognizing a growing demand for organic produce, according to a news release. Customers were beginning to ask for organics, and Progressive already had a network of potato and onion growers that they are working with, so it made that much more sense, according to Gail Vasquez. Vice President of Procurement and Grower Relations. The program has expanded significantly since then, evolving from primarily local supply sources to growing and sourcing from over six states and three different countries, according to the company. Progressive Produce now boasts multiple packing and shipping points, staffed with personnel across the West Coast, ensuring year-round availability of organic products, according to the release. Quality, service, and partnerships are the cornerstones of Progressive Produce's organic program, according to company officials. The supply of lettuce looks to be consistent for this time of the year. In general, they are on track to meet and exceed last year's shipments according to John Amaral, sales manager with Anoon's Company Incorporated. The warm weather in December has allowed for a healthy crop and good yields, he said. Overall, the crop has good sizing with great quality across the board. As January came upon them, Mother Nature threw 7 to 10 days of cold weather and heavy field freeze, he says. The region is currently experiencing a wet weather pattern that will no doubt be a challenge in the future. As always, their team will work to supply their customers with the best quality product available in the industry he says the grower season began in early november out of yuma arizona and then in mid-march production moved to huron california the industry also sees products from the imperial valley california and mexico
1: The relentless storms of 2023 set new precipitation records for california and caused widespread local flooding atmospheric rivers or major rainstorms between december and march and the mild temperatures that extended into the spring and summer created optimal conditions that led to an unprecedented outbreak of aerial phytophthora caused by phytophthora syringae this rare phytophthora sounded the alarm for almond growers across the state as well as plant pathologists like Florence Rias.
3: Somewhere in February, I would say, we started to receive calls uh, from from farm advisors and from PCA, the first call being in Fresno around mid-February. Uh, we got a call in an almond orchard where we noticed uh, lots of gumming, um, on scaffold branches. Uh, The the gumming varied from a sort of all range of color from gold to amber to burgundy red, which was sort of uh, unusual and quite actually typical for for, for this disease. But yeah, we received numerous calls of uh, abundant gumming happening on trees and uh, it seems that uh, this disease was uh, starting from young twigs uh, killing the young twi- twigs and from there progressing into uh, these scaffold branches to, um, to cause what we call a canker. And the canker is basically uh, the killing of the bark tissue, the phloem tissues around this, uh, this twig area on, on large branches. And um, with time, by, uh, you know, by the time we got into uh, early to mid spring, we uh then received calls from you know farm advisors and NPCAs throughout the state. So so that disease seems to you know really be extremely widespread uh, following the extreme white uh, winter season of 2023, and again with issues uh you know occurring from from Bakersfield all the way up to the northern Sacramento Valley.
1: The disease reared its ugly head in every almond producing county during 2023. It's not necessarily a new disease, as it has been cited in literature and seen sparingly in the state over the years, but with more wet weather in the forecast for 2024, it might be something almond growers see once again. One thing Trurius and his colleagues discovered with last year's sightings, however, is that Phytophthora syringae, which is historically known to attack pruning cuts, was directly infecting young almond shoots that didn't have any
3: wounds. So it's possible that these green shoots are sort of, uh, you know, more succulent and uh, tender tissue, which, you know, may allow Phytophthora to more easily attack this type of tissue. Uh, they, they, they could be some some type of uh, cracking between the junction of, of the shoot twig and, and that larger branch. But Overall, in the biology of phytophthora, especially in, in, uh, you know, in forest pathology or in in, in phytophthora affecting native plant species, native trees or ornamental, this phenomenon has been reported that under a specific condition, the pathogen can attack this younger tissue. So not really something that was unknown in in, in biology or plant pathology, but really uh, definitely the first time we were observing this um, for almond.
1: Monitoring for this Phytophthora species requires first diagnosing as Phytophthora syringae and not a different disease. There are multiple things that can cause gumming on trees, including biotic and abiotic stressors, so this is important. Truyas noticed the gumming caused by Phytophthora syringae was more easily distinguishable from other diseases, with the colors ranging from light amber to dark amber to gold and even burgundy red. Management of the disease can take place once the extent of Phytophthora syringae is determined. Last year, Churias said orchards saw anywhere from ten percent to seventy percent disease incidence, and even that ten percent mark is more than enough to take management action.
3: You know, growers as we say start to monitoring the trees in February or March and, and start to see this gumming at the early stage. Eventually some you know chemical management strategies may be then considered, right? It's also something important uh, for growers to be aware of is that, you know, um, um, this uh, Phytophthora syringae pathogen is um, you know, highly uh, <clears throat> sort of uh, dependent on, on, on temperature for the disease to express, for the pathogen to develop. <clears throat> and um, we know that, uh, you know, somewhere above 70 degrees Fahrenheit, this Phytophthora species will start dying. So if, um, you know, if symptoms are noticed uh, late in the growing season, around May or so, it's likely that the pathogen will die uh, naturally following the first, uh, you know, warm temperature, high temperatures of June. So at this stage, uh, management is not really required. Uh, but, um, you know, if um, early symptoms are, are noticed uh, on a sort of a high frequency in the orchards uh, within trees, then some uh, different chemical strategies may be uh, available. And with this, we're looking for, um, you know, molecules, active ingredients that are capable uh, uh, following either a spray or a chemigation capable of having this systemic activity to move up the trees and, and target this um, you know, infection up uh, in the branches uh, to either uh, promote uh, natural uh, plant defense or directly target the pathogens. Uh, some of the common products uh, currently registered for Phytophthora in almonds are products like uh, phosphites. Those can either be applied by uh, chemigations or foliar. If chemigation is considered, then, uh, that application will have to start anywhere around the beginning of March to overlap with the root flush of the almond tree. Uh, phosphite products also uh, can be used uh, foliar. So f- best foliar application for this type of uh, phosphite product will require for the trees to be fully leafed out. So that may also come later uh, later in March. Um, other uh, product in that case mostly register for as as uh, chemigations or product like methenoxan or the product Ridomil Gold, methenoxan type of molecules. Um, that can also be applied through uh, through chemigation around, around March, mid-March or so. And this is another product that can really move up from uh, root applications up into uh, the higher uh, canopy and target this specific disease. Now, um, you know, recently a, a new product was registered and developed that uh, is called Orondis, so with the active ingredient uh, oxytia Uh, That's uh, from the work of um, Adoscavige. There's been a lot of uh, discussion lately um, uh, around this product based on its efficacy to reduce inoculum levels of Phytophthora in the soil. However, growers should keep in mind that around this is not systemic enough, doesn't move enough up the tree to target those areole infections. So if any decision is made um, to use uh, any form of chemical product in that case, Phosphites type product or methenoxin are much more um, uh, adapted for aerial fight software than these, you know, products such as around So, so there are various product. It's important that uh, you know to be aware that. Uh, Resistance from phytophthora population can occur in California, so we always recommend not to overuse this product. But uh, you know, if the disease is widespread enough, uh, and if infection are particularly noticed early in the season, then this may be the right time to consider any sort of ch- um, chemical uh, treatment.
1: You're listening to My Ag Life. I'm Taylor Jahlstrom.
0: And USDA's Economic Research Service says food at home prices increased by 5% in 2023, much lower than the growth rate in 2022 of 11%. However, that was still double the historical annual average growth rate from 2003 to 2022, which was 2.5%. All product categories grew more slowly in 2023 than they did compared to 2022. Food price growth slowed last year as economy-wide inflationary pressures, supply chain issues and wholesale food prices eased from 2022. In 2023, prices for fats and oils grew the fastest at 9%, sugars and sweets are 8.7%, and cereals and bakery products rose 8.4%. Pork prices dropped 1.2% in 2023. Prices for several categories grew more slowly than their historical averages, including beef and veal at 3.6%, eggs at 1.4%, fresh vegetables at less than 1%, fresh fruits and seafood grow 0.7% and 0.3% respectively. Two senators introduced legislation intended to boost the agricultural industry's resilience against cyber attacks. The bipartisan measure from Tom Cotton, a Republican from Arkansas, and Kristen Gillibrand, a Democrat from New York, is backed by a number of agricultural groups. If passed, the bill would shield America's supply chain from technological attacks. America's adversaries are looking for any advantage they can to use against us, including targeting critical industries like agriculture, according to Cotton. The bill would require the U.S. to conduct a twice-year study on cybersecurity threats to the agriculture industry. Courthouse News says that the review would include analyzing existing threats, the potential impacts of a cyber effect on the safety and availability of food products, and the government's ability to respond to an attack. The USDA would also have to conduct an interagency cross-sector crisis simulation exercise that mocks up a food-related national emergency. These exercises would help to identify gaps in the government's readiness to respond to such emergencies. Farmland owners that have timber on their property have some tax considerations outside of agriculture to keep in mind when filing their returns. USDA Ag News reporter Rod Bain.
1: Many farmers own a small or even a large portion of woodlands on their farm around the country. Which is why Greg Fry of the U.S. Forest Service says farmland owners need to keep in mind tax implications for forest lands as... There are differences for tax purposes. One example... Timberland owners have a standalone tax category of investment. Also, even though you may own timberland or woodlands on your farm, it's not necessarily treated the same way as agricultural income. So, for example, Section 1301 of the tax code allows farmers to average income over multiple years, but that's not allowed for timber In addition, there are also some special provisions in tax laws for forests and forestry, such as there is a deduction and amortization allowed for expenses associated with reforestation. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C.
0: The fate of a new farm bill rests not just with ag lawmakers, but House and Senate appropriators and leaders feuding about spending and border issues, eating up precious floor time in an election year. West Virginia GOP Senator and Appropriator Shelley Moore Capito.
3: Uh, farm bill.
1: Here's another major piece of legislation that's coming before us that impacts food supply, nutrition our ag community, many, 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 many jobs uh, all across this country. And yet we're in another extension.
0: The extension came after the 2018 Farm Bill expired four months ago and writing a new one's been upheld by appropriations gridlock, likely to continue at least into March. The Panama Canal's transit trends have shown a significant decline overall, with a 42% year-on-year decrease in December. However, container shipping is bucking this trend, experiencing a rise in transits as other vessel types divert from the waterway. According to Drury Shipping Consultants' latest report, while overall transits fell by 25% in December of 2023 compared to October, container vessels increased transits by 5% during the same period. This suggests a shift where container ships are taking a larger share of the transit volume. Simon Heaney, a consultant at Drury, anticipates this trend to continue, with container ships potentially maintaining or slightly increasing their average daily transits. The Panama Canal Authority initially planned to reduce transits in January and February, but the decision was reversed following heavy rains. Although the current daily transit numbers offer some respite to carriers, they still remain below the levels averaged in 2022. The Neo-Panamax locks have maximum droughts reduced from pre-drought conditions, impacting the payload capacity of larger vessels, Drury estimates that for the biggest container ships, this reduction could lead to a significant loss in payload capacity. Despite these challenges, some container services are utilizing a Panama Canal, although the actual number of containers carried may still be below optimum levels due to drought limitations. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcast and live and virtual events jcs marketing has the reach to inform educate and influence growers in the western united states
2: everywhere you go you see west coast not magazine on the, every one of my customers tables so that tells you everything that's that, It's there so they're reading our my
0: ag life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing team, thank you for listening.